Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you something that um, God had been putting in my heart for the last few weeks. And it's funny, um, you know, how he works and how everything kind of begins to come together um, for him to reveal what um, his purpose for us is. Um, And I believe that each one of us, you know, having gifts as God gives us, you know, some of us, as he says, to be teachers, some of us to be pastors, some of us to pray, um, you know, as God gives each and every one of us unique gifts, Um, You know, I believe that um, he also gives us the power and the strength to use them for his kingdom. Um, And so um, it all started a few weeks ago um, with the news and media and everything going on. Um, In my day-to-day working, going out and working, I work by myself, so I go out and visit patients' homes um, on my own. And um, I felt this great urgency all the time to um, share the gospel Um, without putting off my patients. Most of my patients are Jewish because of the area where I work or very secular. And um, so I had this, you know, almost like the people that you see with the signs so brave saying, Jesus loves you, you know, um, the end is near. You know, I kind of felt that urgency in my heart. You know, how do I share without, um, without turning off the people who I want to turn towards the Lord? Um, And I do believe that, you know, there is a way to do that. And then um, Pastor has been preaching on it, and Charlene and Adrian started the community garden. Um, And, you know, uh, I ended up two weeks ago hearing a podcast on um, gardeners, that we're all gardeners. And um, in the podcast, the man was saying that, you know, we all want to – you know, tell people, like, we're trained to share the gospel in a way that says, you know, Jesus died for you, Um, you know, he took up the cross for you, he loves you, and, you know, and so that's the way we're used to sharing the gospel, right? We share Jesus, we share John 3.16, but, you know, there's other ways to do that. In this podcast, it began to just give me more ideas And so in this podcast, he said that, you know, you plant the seed, little seeds. We all plant little seeds, and and then someone will come around and water it or plant another seed. So I've started um, being moved and and reading and studying, and um, I started finding ways in my daily interaction with everybody, with my patients, with... Um, people at the grocery store, with neighbors. I started finding little moments. I started listening more carefully and, and kind of getting outside myself and, and really being present for them in the moment and, and waiting for an opportunity to share a word or share hope or, or if the news is on in the background and they're distressed about it, to, to share hope, to share joy, to share love, and, and mostly it's love with my patients. You know, when I'm with that person, I try to give them 
100% of my attention and, and show them God's love um, and, and show them joy and show them healing. And, and so I think that we all have opportunities for that in our daily lives. If we would slow down just a minute and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and allow, you know, those things to, to be brought forth in us. And sometimes it's just sharing a little bit of, of you know, of your day or, or what God's done or your testimony or a, a word of love or encouragement and, and showing them God in you and not so much, um, you know, uh, doing, you know, oh, you've, you know, you need to know Jesus because look, these are the end times and certainly they are, you know, everything points towards that. Um, but but in planting the seed and in first in first Corinthians three five I was reading this morning and um, Paul's talking to the church at Corinthian and he's saying that some of them were arguing because I'm of Paul and you're of Apollo and and Paul is better Apollo is better and and then he says he ends up saying are you not carnal meaning Paul and Apollo were both just people just like we are they were just human they were just carnal. So Paul says that he planted the seed and that Apollo would then come along and water it. But it was God who ended up doing the great work. And so um, what I shared with Rigo this morning is this great urgency I feel to plant those little seeds, you know, be it as small as they may be and be it in that moment in line at the grocery store where you just have a second to share a little bit of joy with somebody and then you have to move on and walk away because the person's waiting in line and that's okay it doesn't have to be grand it can be small because God will bring someone else after and they will then water it or plant another seed or whatever the Holy Spirit wants and so um, that's you know that's what I was sharing with Rigo and that's what I encourage you know, for all of you to take those little opportunities in the day-to-day, because that's where we are, right? That's what we do in the day-to-day. That's our, that's where we exist. And so let's take little opportunities where we can with our families, with friends, with strangers, um, to just plant a little seed of, of God. Um, that's it. her to share that wanted her to share that because um it's just um it's just funny you know um I could have preached on um uh I don't know anything and for her to feel that in her heart I just thought that was a a, just a a marvelous a a beautiful kiss from the Lord a kiss from the Lord just to say hey I want to speak to my people today amen um last week we shared a message what was it titled anyone remember what a time. What a time. And, and we looked at our foundations last week, that in these times that we are in, they're revealing the foundations of many. And, and today I would like to look at this from a similar lens and relate this message to last week's, yet it may feel like it's totally different. It's not. It's, it's truly related. As we spoke about what a time, um, today's message is titled, What a Time. Today is Time to Nurture. And um, uh, very, very intentional with that title. Because if we're going to say, we're going to make a declaration of, my gosh, what a time. Then there has to be a solution for that. There has to be a response from the church. 
And I feel like what the Lord is saying is, it's time. You just said it's, it's time, and what a time it is. So then it's time, and if it's time for anything, it's time to nurture. And, uh, and I feel like that's what is being spoken, and as Jenny just came up here and shared as well. So I want to speak on that word, nurturing. And it's funny because we just went and we did a gardening um, outreach um, in Liberty City, and, and a group of us went, the hype team led it, and we had a, a special time. We, we, we had a good time. We laughed. We, uh, we, we joked around. But it was just special to know that what we were doing was going to bless that community, was going to be able to give food and um, life to a community that represents a lot of death and a lot of darkness. Now we're able to bring just some light into it. And I think that that gardening um, there in Liberty City does just that. So I want to talk to you a little bit about nurturing. And I want you to, as you're writing this down in your notes, and you write down the word nurture, go ahead and I'll give you 30 seconds. As I, you say that word nurture, what are some things that come to your mind when you think of that word nurture? Amen. Anyone want to share some things? Say it out loud. Sorry? To care for. That's good. Anyone else? To give your time or to give up your time. Sacrifice? Good. To help grow. I think that's what you said. To help grow. Good. Anyone else? Support. It's a good one. Support. Think about some of these words that you're saying, some of these phrases, some of the things that you're writing down. Anyone else? Nurture. What does it mean to you? To nurture. To love. I'm glad you said that. To love. Yeah, because it's hard to nurture something that you, not, you don't love, that you do not love. Because nurture is actually, can be used in a way too that it can be very sensitive. And if you don't love, you could be very rough with that thing and actually and actually kill or destroy that which needs to be loved on. That's good. Anyone else? I don't want to leave here without your great word for what nurture may be. Anyone else? Intentional. That's good. Huh? To feed. That's good. And these are all good words and all good phrases, and hopefully you, you write that down and, and you write notes today. But as we speak about nurturing, you think about some of those things that came to your mind right now, and, and they're, all, they're all right. Everything you said, in a, from a physical aspect and from a spiritual perspective as well, all those words have meaning. I think nurturing, and immediately, obviously, my, my mind goes into a garden, to a garden, though I'm not a gardener at all. I don't, what is that called? Green thumb, I think it's called? Yeah, don't have it. I have like a purple, I don't know, black thumb, not green. Um... But attending a garden comes to mind. When I think of nurturing, I think about raising children. And, and it's difficult, but it's nurturing and caring maybe for a newborn. That's nurturing. And with a newborn, you have to nurture that baby. But when other things that should have come to your mind, it's also nurturing relationships. Any relationship that you are in 
if you want it to be healthy and you want it to last, you need to nurture it. If you stop nurturing that, that relationship is going to wither and it's going to die. Think about some friendships you had. Why are you not friends with some of those people anymore? Because either both of you or one of you stopped watering, stopped nurturing, and stopped caring. And you were better off saying, I'd rather that thing die than to nurture it to give it life anymore. You see where I'm at? And we have to nurture relationships. Relationships need to be nurtured. But very important as well is what good is my nurturing a relationship if I myself do not nurture myself, me as an individual? So nurturing should also mean to you taking care of yourself, paying attention to yourself, examining yourself, nurturing yourself. We talked about cracks in foundations last week and how these times are causing us to look at our foundations. And hopefully... We're taking the moment to pause and to really look at where we're at and who we are and say, what in me needs to be nurtured? It has a lot to do with tending the ground, nurturing. It has a lot to do with the soil, with watering. Nurturing has a lot to do even with cutting off because sometimes things grow or things get in the way that are unnecessary in your life. So you have to cut it off because you have to keep yourself healthy. So you have to cut maybe something toxic, maybe someone toxic. Whatever it is, you have to cut it off because you need to pay attention and nurture yourself. Ever been there? All right, let's talk about some of those things. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Give me some names of some people that are just talking. You know, this will get really bad real quick. But, that, but that's, that's the truth. It's, it's, it's to nurture myself. I have to work in myself so, so there's some unnecessary growth and there's things even within me that I just got to cut. And sometimes it's, that's the hardest thing to do, to cut unnecessary things in your own life so that you could receive the health that you need. You're there, you've been there where you know that there's things, consistent things in your life that you know that as it continues to linger, continues to be there, all it's doing is bringing more harm to you than any good. So you have an option. I'm going to continue to let this grow and it's just going to be worse for me or I'm going to cut it off so that way I can finally be or, 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 or um, drive myself into the direction where the Lord wants to take me. So that's the hardest thing because you have to get the scissors and you need to chop off in your own branches and that's very hard. Sometimes like, God, just do it for us and God's like, no, you, you cut yourself. <laughs> you did that. You cut it off now. You got it in you. Amen? It's important. Everyone say it's important. Say this and write this down in your notes. It's important to nurture myself. It's important to pay attention to myself. It's important to speak to myself. It's important to praise by myself. It's important to pray by myself, to worship by myself. I need to nurture myself. Many of us, many of you live for others, live for others, live for others, but you stopped living for yourself. Not that you're not called to live for others, because we're going to talk about that, that you are called, but you'll never be able to live for others if you yourself cannot live for yourself. Nurture yourself. Amen? Amen. Important that in the busyness of our lives that we stop, everyone say stop. 
You should write that in all bold letters. Learn to stop and put S-T-O-P and highlight it, circle it, underline it. Put it all in caps. Learn to stop. Learn to, you could even write this word, examine. Examine yourself. If I were to ask you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm all good. Everything is good. Like seriously, have you examined yourself and are you really all good? Because I'm up here and I'm preaching today and I can tell you right now that I know that I am not all good. In my life today, I'm not all good. So when you say, hey, are you, good? Are you all good? Have you, have you really examined yourself to really determine whether you're all good? Like think about that for a moment. Examine yourself. Stop. So here's the questions that we're going to really touch up a lot on. How are we nurturing others? Very important. How are we nurturing others? And how are we nurturing ourselves? Can I get an amen? amen? If you can, maybe it's daily. Not just like, oh, you know, once a month I go and I, I don't know, go to the beach and I see the sun. What does it do on this side? Rise, sunrise. Yeah, you don't sunset. You can't go to the beach here and get, see the sunset. But whatever it is, but how do, how do you nurture yourself daily? Daily ask yourself, how can I nurture myself? Maybe it's putting yourself in a room and just being quiet, being your thoughts. Maybe it's, it's putting on worship music. Maybe it's reading a book, an educational book, a spiritual book. Maybe it's reading the Bible more. Maybe it's being more intentional in studying the Bible. I don't know. How can you nurture yourself? Daily, ask yourself that question. Have I nurtured myself? Why am I speaking on this so much? Because the question of have I nurtured myself is so important because then that gives me the ability to be a better person for someone else. In order to nurture someone else more effectively, how have I spent time nurturing myself? And that's very important. I want to share something that I ran into. How many... (laughs) This is crazy. These are things that happened to me. I'm not even lying. This is, this is exactly what happened to me yesterday. So I, I, I finished this, and I added actually what I'm about to share with you in the morning. In the afternoon, I watched the movie, and there was a part of the movie where in the background, he walks into an old cinema, the actor. And the actor, as he walks into the old cinema, just a couple hours after I wrote this down, on the billboard of the cinema, it actually says what I'm about to share with you. And it said this. How many of you have heard of this? It's a... It's a Native American parable, the story of two wolves. You've ever heard that? And it said that in the movie. It said the story of two wolves. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just added that into my message like two hours ago. What are the chances that this movie will say the story of two? I don't know. I just thought it was weird. Those are weird things. But I, w- I want to share with you this Native American parable. And, it, and it, it makes a lot of sense when it comes biblically and spiritually to the word. And I'll show you a scripture after. It says that an old Cherokee life. He said, a fight is going on inside me. He said to the boy, it is a terrible fight and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is angry. um, There's envy and sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, 
All these things, eagle. And he continued, the other is good. He is joy and peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight, he tells the boy, is going on inside you and inside every other person too. So the grandson thought about it for a minute and he asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. And it's the truth. There's two wars going on. There's two fights. There's two wolves. I almost titled the message, The Story of Two Wolves. And I was going to just break down the, each wolf, but I was like, nah, I feel like I'm going a different route if I do that. But in Galatians 5.17, there's nothing new. It reminds me of this scripture. Look what Galatians 5 says. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. What's going on as Paul writes this? There are two worlds. There are, there, are, there are enemies that are fighting within you. There is the flesh and there is the spirit. And they're battling. One has one desire. The other one has a, an opposite desire. And each one are against each other. Look what it says. For they are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I want you to pause for a moment. And I want you to s congratulate yourself because in you, there's a lot going on. <laughs> like you're fighting other things. You. Just, you. And it, like if that's not enough, inside of you, you got two monsters fighting each other every day. And you need to decide which one will I pay attention to today. Which one will I give in to? I'm fighting battles every day. There's things that you're swinging at every single day. But then, like if that's not enough, ugh, I got this wrestling match that's happening within me. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I, have, I get headaches. How many of you have gotten a headache and have just been weighed down and nothing has happened? All day you've been a lazy bum. There's no reason for you to have a headache or to be weighed down. But it's because of the war that's inside of you that you're drained mentally, physically, spiritually. How many of you have been there? Like, well, what, what have you done today? And you say, nothing. So what's your problem? There's a war inside of me. And it's taken all my energy today. Some people are there. Some people have been there. Congratulations, you have a lot going on. You have a lot going on. We all do. Right now, every single one of you has thoughts. Some of those thoughts, you wouldn't dare say them out loud, would you? I dare you to say one out loud. <laughs> so you have to decide with that thought that you have, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to feed it or are you going to drown it? But it's still a thought and it's working inside of you. The machine is going on and you're like, I have this thought. What do I do with it? Do it or don't do it. But you need to decide which one you're going to do. You're going to give the meat to that one or you're going to feed the other one. Every single person, when you're awake, even when you're sleeping, the battle is on and you're fighting and you're here. And congratulations. Very important that we recognize this point. If you see me after the service, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, there's no fight within me. I don't know what I'm going to tell you. 
know what I'm going to say to you. But there's a fight in all of us. There's thoughts and there's feelings and there's, and we have to measure it and we have to see if this is of God. Should I do this? Should I not? Many times you failed and you've fed the evil wolf and many times you've done great and you starved him and you fed the, I guess we could call him the holy wolf. But here's a question to ask yourself. What am I watering? Write that. What am I watering? What are you watering? I'm going to ask you something very serious here for a moment. Are you watering flowers or are you watering poison ivy? Those are two different plants. I actually had to go online and say, you know what? If I see poison ivy right now, I won't know. I, I, I do not know what it looks like and I'll touch it like a fool. So I went and I looked at it, I zoomed in, I tried to memorize the picture in my head. I know what it looks like now. It's got a pointy edge and they grow in three leaves. So now I know when I go somewhere, I know exactly what poison ivy looks like. I don't care if it's not poison ivy. If it has three leaves to it and it's got a pointy end, I'm not touching it because it could be poison ivy. I memorized the picture. But what are you watering in your life, poison ivy or are you watering flowers? Why would I, would I ask you a question like that? Because poison ivy represents negative harm. Flowers obviously represents positive things that are for your good. Am I focusing on the negative things in my life, on negative aspects that I don't really want? And because I'm focusing and I'm watering on poison ivy, on the negative things, guess what happens? Whatever you water is that which you hope in return nourishes you. So you're watering poison ivy, but in return, guess what poison ivy does? It doesn't nurture you. In return, it harms you. Like I want to pause for a moment because we're living in a crucial time in this world. And I have an Instagram feed and a Facebook feed. And I've seen a lot of people just watering stuff. (laughs) And I've seen a lot of people water poison ivy. And what they've done for their community and what they've done for the church, for Christianity, for God himself, is bring more poison than any good. All for the name of God. God was not in any of that. (laughs) Okay? In your little battle, in your little war, that you just fought on that. What are you watering? Is it returning back good in your life? Is 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 it for your good? Is it nurturing you? Or are you focusing on positive things, the things that you do want in your life? Seriously, this we could talk about. What are some things that you want in your life? Seriously, answer it. Because now we're going to have a long Sunday. It's going to be miserable for you. What are some things that you want in your life? Positive things. Let's leave the negative things outside. Positive things. Good health. Someone said something else. A house. Shelter. Good. Children. Huh? Peace. How about like, how about good friendships? What would you say? Stress-free. Spiritual life. Healthy relationships. Financial stability. These are positive things. I want these things to be positive in my life. So notice some of the things that you just said. I I could easily switch this and say, all right, those are positive things that you are all desiring in your life. 
hopefully you're watering correctly so that you could see eventually the fruit of that which you just said. How can I get that house and how can I get healthy relationships? Well, the house, the healthy relationship, the peace, these things that you said, a lot of it is going to be grown by how you nurture it. Someone said children, good. Think about that. Well, what does the nurturing of that look like so that I can receive that? Because the, the reality is, as we speak on that, think about, don't say these things out loud, but what are negative things in your life? Are there negative things right now in your life? Seriously, you and God right now, what are negative things? Oh, shoot, I do have negative things in my life. Does it continue to live because that's what you're nurturing? Now, that negative thing that you just answered, is it nurturing you back? Is it making you a better person? Is it giving you health? Think about what this means for a moment. Sorry for being so like, I'm not a psychologist at all or any of this stuff. I'm probably doing it all wrong. But, but I know it's in the word. I know that for sure. But how is that nurturing? Are you nurturing yourself? Are you, are you focusing on negative things? Write that down in your notes. Or are you focusing on positive things? If you sit in front of your TV and all you do is watch the news, you must be filled with depression, filled with anxiety, and you must be filled with negative things in your life. Yes or no? I'm asking you, what is it in your life that's negative that you could stop nourishing and what are things in your life that you could add that are positive that you can start nourishing? Stop nourishing, start nourishing. With me? Come on, nurture yourself. When you get on a plane, I, I think it's comedic, but it's so true. And they do the whole thing. No one pays attention anymore. Because you're like, dude, if the plane falls, we're all done. It doesn't matter if the seat pops out or if I have to grab the yellow thing and put it in my... No matter what, the thing goes down, we're all done. So you're next to an exit. The exit's right there. Who cares? <laughs> so what have you all done? You've all just stopped listening because you know that if it goes down, we're all done here. It doesn't matter where the exit is. It doesn't matter how many things pop out and it doesn't matter where the lifeguard is. The life seat is, we're done. But I love that they say... At a time of anything disastrous happens, from the bottom of the top of the roof, the thing's going to pop out, and you're going to put, what is the instruction next? When it pops out, and you have a five-year-old child next to you, what is the first step that you do? Go, say it. You put it on yourself first. I know Nancy. She's not going to do it. That thing starts to pop out. She's going to be like, Jade, put on your mask. And I'm like, put it on first. They said, put it on first. And she'll put Jade's mask on. And she'll make sure it's tied. And, and then ja Jackson's mask. And everyone's mask will be on before Nancy's mask will be on for sure. Nancy won't pass the test on that one. The whole family will have their mask on till before Nancy does. But why do they teach that? For you to put the mask on first. Because the only way that you can save someone else is by first saving yourself. You could give God praise, amen? Because I think we need to know that. How am I going to save someone? How many of you feel like there's something more in your life? Why haven't you done it? What are you waiting for? I'm not going to start a new ministry for you. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen here. And, and, and yeah, I don't know. I don't have a revelation to know what's going to happen in your life. What does it take for you to go into more? 
And to say, I'm going to serve God in a way. I'm going to nourish people in a way I've never nourished. And I'm going to start by saving myself. How many of you are there? i got to do this work for myself. Why? Because, shoot, the world needs nurturers. What a time we're living in. What good will you do if you're passed out on the floor? And they're just walking over you. It's not going to work. You meant good, I get it. But you're on the floor, you're passed out, you have no air, you're gone. But at least you're leaving with the word, Jesus loves you. <laughs> no good. Learn to nurture yourself. Learn to nurture yourself. Write that down. I need to learn to nurture myself. Write this down. What we put in is what we get out. What we put in is what we get out. You're learning something today? This is just the introduction. Hopefully I get to preach the whole message today. What we put in is what we get out. Proverbs 11.25, please look at this scripture. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. This is speaking about a nourisher, a gardener, a person who is generous. You know what the word generous means there? A giver. Someone who refreshes others. In return, they refresh themselves. You see how you get it in return? What are you nourishing? Come on. Because at the end, it will nourish you back. It will nourish you. It will nourish you back. ESV says it this way. One who waters, waters, one who waters will himself be watered. So if you're watering, when you're like, I'm exhausted, I'm drained, because all I'm doing is watering, and I feel so dry, you're watering wrong. Because that means that you're watering, but in return, you're not being watered. Come on. That means you're watering on poison ivy, and it's not nourishing you back. But if you start watering on flowers, then what's going to happen to you is you yourself will begin to be watered back. Make sure you water on the things that God wants you to water so that you, in return, could receive nourishment. I'm telling you that which you water waters you back. But if it's negative, you're going to get negative things back. It's going to make you drier. My heart is hardened. How are you watering it? If you water it, it's going to continue to get harder. People are living in fear. And they're shacked up. And the reason why is because that's what they're watering. They're watering fear. They're watering things in their lives that God's called us to live different. What are you watering in your life? Especially for such a time. Especially for this moment. Nurture yourself. Don't water the fear. Don't water the anxiety. Don't water sin. Figure it out and say, hey, I need to water what is positive, what is good, what is healthy, what is well, so that I myself in return could nourish and be at a good place. Come on, nurture yourself. That word nurture, I think we got the definition already. All of you said amazing words to describe it, to nourish, to train, to upbring, educate, raise, to influence one who lifts potential in another person to help develop, right? To foster, love that word, to promote the growth, to furnish, to sustain provisions. Nourish means food, all these things. Nourish, 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 nurture. It means all these things. Number one, write this down in your notes. Where are the nurturers? Physical nurturers. 
emotional nurturers, mental nurturers, spiritual nurturers. I may be able to help you maybe, right? Hopefully. If not, I'm doing something wrong. But I could help you in spiritual nourishment. But then I could take you to my brother over there, and he could help you maybe with physical nourishment. Or my sister over there, and she could help you with physical nourishment. And, 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 and we all play a role in nourishing people physically and emotionally and spiritually and mentally. Come on, where are the nurturers? Are you with me? Where are we? So many people, when we speak about emotional, there's so much unhappiness in this world more than ever. And obviously we say, oh man, it's because of the times that we're in so much stress and people are unhappy. We talk about mental and people are fatigued. People feel pressure. We talk about spiritual. And we could ask this question more than ever, there's so much loneliness in this world. I wonder if I were to ask, how many of you in the last week have truly felt lonely in your life? How many of you would answer that and say, I've felt lonely this week? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 15, Paul writes to the church, and I think he says something. He's underlining a big issue, or he's underlining something very important. He says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, we've, we've gone through the scripture before. Paul says, you have, ten, another translation will say things like you have 10,000 teachers in Christ or 10,000 instructors where the ESV will say countless because who's going to count 10,000 up to 10,000? How many of you have countless guides in Christ? You have devotionals written by, maybe you read five different devotionals, that's five different people. Maybe you listen to three different preachers. Maybe you listen to six different podcasts. Maybe you come on Sunday, that's me. You have countless guides, instructors, and teachers in your life. And he says this, you do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is Paul talking to the church. And, I, and when you read these things, I think what Paul is saying here is very important, very deep. And I think it's the design, it's God's design. I think God's design is for people to touch to encourage, to uplift one another. And I think what Paul is saying here is, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things, and you receive from a lot of people, but who in your life is really touching you, fostering growth, providing, mentoring? Who is the model in your life? How are you being watered, and by whom are you being watered by? And I think that's what Paul is saying. I think Paul is it's really coming down to a very important detail in the church that they needed to know. And we're going to discuss this later, and we're going to revisit. If we have time, we're going to revisit what we've preached here like two weeks ago. We're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000 again, and we're going to talk about Peter, do you love me again? Because I feel like those were two important things, and I don't want to go through it so quick. I, I, I want to go back and revisit it. But the truth of what, Peter, um, of what Paul is saying here is that there's a lot of dads. There's a lot of dads, dads, dads but very few fathers. What do I mean by that statement? And maybe you're a woman like, I don't know, I don't really fall into that category. There's, you know what I mean. There might be a lot of moms, but few mothers. And what I mean by that is providers, 
those who provide mentors, models, those who truly nourish one another? Where are the nurturers, the ones that are in this land living for this time to nurture people who are dried up and thirsty? Jenny came up here and she said that she has an urge in her heart. I think what God is doing is he's telling a nurturer to rise up. That's what I think is happening in Jenny's life. He said, I'm going to lift you up for such a time to be a nurturer. To what? To the community you're in. Get ready. And now she has a desire for these people. What's happening? What, 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 what? That's God. That's the gardener in her. That's the nurturer in her being burdened for someone else's condition. Where are we? Where are the nurturers? Is anyone else being stirred up the way that Jenny came up here and said she's being stirred up? Where are the nurturers? Amen? Amen. Number two, as I ask where are the nurturers, number two, God raises up nourishers, or nurturers, sorry, (laughs) nurturers in hard times. I wrote this wrong in my notes. God raises up nurturers in hard times. How many of you would say around the world today it's a hard time? All right, thank you, Eli, for agreeing with me. And Aid, I saw you. I saw you back there, girl. Got my back. Man. I know Ada's got... You can't mess with Ada. She's in your, in your crew? Yeah. Yeah. Ada's tough, boy. But God raises up nurturers in hard times. All right, we don't have to read into all this. Many of us know the story. And if you don't know the story, please go back to Genesis and chapter 50 and so on. And read around those chapters. But that's just a a reference for you to go to. And to study Genesis 50 and 49 and so forth. But in Genesis, we see God move. Do not miss what I'm about to tell you here. Because I'm going to bring it all together in point number two. God moves in a time when it was difficult for others to see. Right now, it's difficult to see good. Right now, it's difficult to receive anything positive. Right now, it's difficult to have conversations with people that are, have a different viewpoint than you. It's just a difficult time. But in Genesis, God is about to move in a time where it was difficult for other people, just like us. But what's beautiful about God, as you study Genesis, these later chapters, it's the, it's the, it's the movement of heaven. Because if you're looking at this from an earthly lens, you'll see that the earth is, um, I'm trying to use a good word here. I don't know, the earth was banged up, right? <laughs> it was all messed up. Good? It was all messed up. And um, there was famine in the land, there was no food. It was a, it was a, it was a, I mean, we got sickness and we got um, issues. <laughs> I don't know. Some of you guys might stand different than I, so I'm going to be very careful because I know I don't agree with all of you. And all of you don't agree with me, so I don't want to fight with you guys about this stuff. But whatever. What I'm trying to tell you is this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, God, for letting me forget. <laughs> Let me go back to my notes. From an earthly perspective, everything looked like it was a mess. There's no hope. Oh, I know what I was going to say. At least you could go home today 
and you could grill yourself a nice piece of steak with everything that's going on, at least right now in our country, at least now, I don't know what's going to happen in, <laughs> in the future, but at least now you could have a piece of steak. Maybe in a, in a couple more years we'll be like, sorry guys, remember that preacher? There's no more steak here in the United States. I don't know. But whatever, I'm just saying now. Okay, in Genesis, they couldn't even cook a cow, a pig. Couldn't even make eggs, omelet, ham and cheese sandwich, peanut butter and jelly, whatever you like. But what's beautiful about Genesis is that God is moving pieces around many years. Many years. Everyone say many years. I believe, forgive me, I don't know, I'll have to go back to the Bible and, and, and do the math. I think it's like 15 to 17 years before the seven-year drop. If I'm wrong, you could come and, and tell me the exact number after. I don't think that's anything that's so theological that needs to be known right now. But whatever. 17 years before the seven-year drought, God was already moving. 17 years. Some 20 years before the seven-year drought was going to happen, God's like, okay, watch what I'm going to do. And what does he do? We all know the story. He begins to move pieces around as the land was about to get affected. He says, let me start doing some things 20 years before. And he starts with picking and grabbing a nourisher. A nurturer. And his name is Joseph. You with me? Joseph. Out of all the brothers, he picks Joseph. God picks Joseph. And God begins to prepare him, school him. He takes him through a schooling. A very interesting school. <laughs> I mean, tries to get murdered by his brothers, gets thrown into a pit, is lied about getting murdered to, is sold as a... Um, it's, it's pretty much human trafficking. The first human tra trafficking encounter on earth that we read about is Joseph. Human trafficking has been going on since the days of Joseph. He got human trafficked. He gets sent to Egypt. He works for Potiphar. The woman says he raped me. It's a lie. He runs out naked. He gets thrown in prison. Now he's in prison. He's like, dude, all I said was I had a dream. And I mean, <laughs> and all, what, is, what was really going on? Jo for Joseph, everyone looks at him and says, wow, he has bad luck. For years, Joseph went, and I'm going to say it really honestly, ready? For years, Joseph went through hell. Through hell. But all of it was, Joseph, I'm taking you to school. I'm taking you to the hard knocks. I'm setting you up. Because in 20 years from now, 15 years from now, you were made for such a time. But you got to go through this, Joseph, so that you could be ready when the drought comes. Come on, my question to you, point number two was, God raises up nurturers in hard times. Two years into the drought, we know the back and forth. The brothers don't recognize Joseph. Joseph is hard to, hard to them. He's broken. He's crying in the corner of the wall so that they don't see him. Go back and bring your brother. He's the 11th son, but the 12th son was special to, to Jacob as well as it was uh, the younger of the sons. And they bring him and he reveals himself. It's me. It's the one you thought was dead, the one that you sold. Here I am. I am the prime minister of Egypt. I am the second in charge. I am in control of all the rice and grain that leaves this place. I, I Joseph, am the one that is in charge of feeding the land in the middle of this drought. <laughs> the one that you try to harm is the one that has been put in charge on planet Earth to feed the nations when there's a drought all over the world. Can you imagine how humbled those brothers were? I know they were. Why? 
Because the scripture says they all fell to the, to the floor and they, began, they fell at his feet. His, they brought his father later and they all fell before Joseph's feet. And, he, and, and right there he's like, this is the dream I had. Thank God he didn't say that. He was more mature and older in his years. Because instead of saying, yeah, suckers, this is the dream I had. All of you were going to bow down to me. He doesn't say that. You want to know what happens? Here's what happens. Genesis 50, 19. I think it'll, it'll come up here now. Joseph said to them, because they're all fearful. Oh, no, it's our brother. And they all bow down to the floor. And he says, do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? Am I God for you to do this to me? Are you, am I God that you worship, that you fall in fear like this? Look what he says. But as for you, <laughs> you meant evil against me. Isn't this in Romans? But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide. What is, what's the word he's choosing to use? I will provide. What is he saying? I will nurture. I will nurture you. Because you see, this little Joseph is not the same little Joseph that was having dreams at night and coming up to you and during breakfast and telling the dreams I had. This Joseph today has been made for such a time. And when hell hit high water, God called me not to run to my house in fear, not to cry myself to sleep, and not to go get myself mentally crazy in the days that we're living in. But God called me for such a time to be a nurturer in this land, to feed the world in the middle of their poverty. For I will provide. How are you providing? How am I providing? How are we providing? How are we nurturing? Nurturers will rise up during these last days. Nurturers will rise up. I will provide for you. And for the little ones. And he, look what he says next. I will provide, and it says, and he comforted them. Provide and comfort. That's what nurturers do. And he began to speak kindly to them. Who said love? He began to speak kindly. Because if he was going to start nurturing his brothers, he did it from not a place of revenge. He did it now from a place of love. Because a true nurturer was going to love that which first hated him. A true nurturer was going to love that which caused evil upon him. That's what true nurturer is. Amen. If, if we touch you today, are you full of thorns that someone touches you and is like, Pah, and you just, ah, like are you a difficult person to touch? If you are, I love you, but you're wrong. You're wrong. Because we're not meant to be thorns that poke at people. We're meant to be nurturers that are used to be kind to people. I love that Jenny said, I, don't want, I want to find a way that I could share the gospel to people, but I don't want to come so aggressive, or I forgot the word you used, but in a way where it's with love and it's... What is God doing there? He's revealing. That's the nurturer's heart. It's to comfort. It's to be kind. 
Are you being raised up to nourish during these hard times? Write that down in your notes. Am I being raised up to nourish during these hard times? Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you? Mm. Hallelujah. Are you being raised up? Point number three is this. It is God's plan for us to nurture. It is God's plan for us to nurture. Write that down. It is God's plan. I have so much I want to say, and I want to be wise here. I'm going to be very wise. As you write down number three, this is what I want to do. I have two more points that are going to take me another 35 minutes. I've taken 40 minutes to speak two points to you. (laughs) But I have two more points, and I feel like it's going to take another 40 minutes. And I don't want to preach for an hour and a half. Because I'd rather you take two things home than not take anything because it was too much information. So, back to where we were at. It's this. There's two wolves. (laughs) Let's go back to the wolves as we close up here. There are two wolves that are fighting. And it's all going to depend on which one you nourish, which one you nurture. We're already dabbling into, and we haven't gotten into the 5,000 yet because that's going to be some more things I want to talk about. But we dabbled into Joseph. And I want to pause a moment here for Joseph. Let me close this because I'm going to end up, keep going. But I want you to think about Joseph for a moment. If Joseph didn't allow God to do the nurturing in him, some 15 years later, when the seven-year drought hit the earth, Joseph would have never been able and capable of being a nourisher to others. So I would like to say this to you. Maybe you've gone through hell. Maybe you've gone through hell. Maybe your mind has gone through hell because you've lived the best life. You've lived the best life. But maybe your mind has gone through hell. But I want you to consider now that whatever hell you've experienced in your life, maybe, if you could think about it now with a clear mind, maybe it was used to build you up And to make you and to stand you up to serve and nurture for such a time that you're living in today. So whatever it is, whatever experiences, Rudy came up here and started talking about experiences. And I was going to correct him. I was like, no, say encounters better. I like encounters better than experiences. But he's right. I like the word experiences. Whatever experiences you've gone through. Can you stop right there and say, these experiences 
is the classroom that God had me sit in. Because in reality, he's in the pit. And the question that will come to our mind is, where is God? But then you're taken out of the pit, like, oh my God, God showed up. But then you're sold to some traitors, human trafficking. And you're like, that was a trick. Where's God? (laughs) Then you're taken to a rich man's house to be the manager of his house. You're like, oh, finally, God's, God answered me. God's here. And then his wife lies and says, you raped her. And again, you say, God is messing with me. Again, where is God? And then you run from that person's house. Okay, maybe there's some freedom, but then they find you. And you get thrown into prison. And again, he failed me. Where is God? And then you're in prison. <laughs> Where's God? And then people start having dreams in prison. They're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a dreamer. And you begin to interpret dreams. <laughs> and one day, Pharaoh wants t- to talk to you because you interpret dreams. And you go, oh, okay, God's here again. Hey, God's here. And Pharaoh puts you as his right-hand man. And like, whew, finally, God is here. But then a drought hits the land. And you're going to be like, my God. Ready? You put me in an amazing position to lead. But then all hell breaks loose. What a bad time to lead. It's almost like you saying, you got promoted to that job you always wanted. And the next day, you sit down for an administrator's meeting or whatever, and they just told you they sold the company. And you're not going to work there anymore. Like, oh, I just wanted. So Joseph gets the position. And then he's like, oh, it's a famine. He's like, oh, I'm in charge of all the food that comes. Like, this is not going to be good. But right then and there, I believe something happens in Joseph where he says, oh, This is what I was made for. This is what I was made to do. I'm called for such a season as this. And to confirm it, God brings back his brothers. Now, what would you call that? Would you call that the provision of God? What's the word of God on the... I don't know, what would you call that as his brothers come back to him? We may look at that as a positive thing. Yes, he's going to feed Jacob. He's going to feed the brothers. They're not going to die. You know what I think that is? I think that's God saying, let's see. Let's see if the school you went through, if you're truly ready to graduate. So who did God use? He took them back to the beginning. And sometimes in your life, he'll take you back to the beginning. To the very person who stabbed you, shot you, harmed you, caused evil. The one who did the the one that you said, if I ever see that person again, I swear I'm gonna bleep, bleep, bleeping, bleep, bleep, bleep. And he brings them back. And the day he brings them back, the day he brings them back, Joseph, 
Some guys are looking for you in the courtyard. And Joseph sees them eye to eye. And he looks at God. And he says, you have a sense of humor. You brought the very ones that started the evil plan in my life. And he gets the revelation. Put the scripture back up. And he says, you meant evil for my life. But I want you to know today, today's a good day. Because the evil that you meant, God is turning it around for good. I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to get even. All you people that are like, oh, when someone crosses me, I cut them off and that's it. You don't have the heart of Christ if you say that. Oh, I cut people off as soon as they, keep cutting them off. Jesus is not in your heart if you say things like that. Because if Judas hung on that cross before his insides exploded and, and confessed his sins to God, guess where Judas is at? He's in heaven with God. I know you don't want to hear that, right? Judas is in heaven right now. I get it. He committed suicide. Maybe you have your own theology on suicide, but whatever. What I'm trying to say is, can you imagine if Judas is in heaven? And you're like, why is Judas here? He betrayed you. And God says, because I love him. See the heart of Jesus? Guys, I'm preaching to myself. Because <laughs> there's people, there's things, there's, there's people in my life that I want to cross out. Yeah, I get it. Trust me, I'm with you. <laughs> We're, we're fighting together. I'm your team, man. <laughs> We're all in this. But I'm trying to say is, do you get convicted? Does the Lord say, yeah, yeah, it's not the heart. It's not the heart. And he sees his brothers. And he says something very powerful. He says, today, I will provide. Today, I will comfort. And I will start speaking kindly. At that moment that Joseph decided to provide, to comfort, and to speak kindly, at that moment, a whole nation's world was transformed. Because if it wasn't for Joseph, the nation of Israel would not be here today. But because he had compassion, because he provided, because he comforted, and because he was moved with kindness, those 12 brothers created the 12 tribes of Israel that created and allowed God's special people to continue to live on in the land. Are you with, do you see how big this agenda, do you see how big this homework assignment is? Do you, do you see the, the long-term effects it has? Let's pray. I want to pray for Pastor Mark from Love Unlimited. As you guys know, we, we went to um, the hospital to pray for his sister. One of his sisters came out. She's doing good. But we went to the hospital right here in Larkin Hospital in Hialeah. The, one of the sisters was doing bad, and um, she was, um, what's that called, intubated or whatever. So she just passed away. And um, I, I just want to, I want to pray. Because you know what, in a time like this for their family, they need nurturers. Though they're all godly people and they need nurturers. They need nurturers. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for such a beautiful day that you've given us. 
Lord, we believe that you've spoken a word here to our lives today. I know you, you're speaking to me. Because, Lord, I, could, I stink and I smell and there's poison ivy and there's bitterness and there's hurt and there's... But, Lord, I'm not doubting for once that you didn't call me for such a time. So as I come face to face with your word, I have to answer to it and, and really make a decision of whether I will water flowers or water poison ivy in my own life. I'm just speaking for myself, Lord. Lord, I pray that alongside all my brothers and sisters here, that we would begin to water the positive things, the spiritual things, the things that in return are going to be healthy and are going to be right for us, the things that in return are going to nurture us. I pray for myself and I pray for anyone else that's here that's alongside me that needs to cut off things in their lives, that has to stop watering poison ivy. I pray that we would stop that. Because in return, that's going to cause more harm. I get it, Lord, that there are two things alive in me. And each day I'm putting that flesh to death. But sometimes it has the better of us. This tale of two wolves, it's so alive in the physical and the spiritual man. Where they oppose each other and there's a war going on. Let us feed the right one. Let us starve that which is of no use for us. And like Joseph, Lord, that we would be the nurturers of this day, that you would lift us up, rise us, that during hard times, that which was meant for evil, we could look at it in the face and say the Lord is turning it around for good. And today I choose to comfort. I choose to provide. And I will choose to be kind. And we will see the move of God in this land like never before. Regardless of what those in power might say or do. Because the one who is really in control is Yahweh who sits on his throne forever. Let us be led by you. Hallelujah. Lord, I lift up Mark. I pray for his brother-in-law. I pray for his little niece who just lost a mom. I pray for that child, for that husband. Lord, she just opened her eyes and she's in eternity with you. All her pain is gone. And she's living in the freedom of heaven. She's received her glory. But Lord, on earth, there's people that are hurting and that are in pain. And I pray that you would bring nourishment, that you would bring comfort, that you would bring healing to hurt hearts. I pray for that church, Love Unlimited, as they deal with this loss. I pray for Pastor Mark tonight. He has his first service back in person in I don't know how long, but yet he's got to do this with his sister's death in his heart. I pray for that man. I pray for his family.
I pray for strength for such a weary season, for such a hard time. That, Lord, he would be like Joseph. That you would expand his leadership because of this pain. That you would stretch and give him more land because of this. Because he would look at the evil that is done. And that he would testify from the rooftops that God is using it for good. So I lift up my brother Mark and his family right now in Jesus' name. I pray for anyone else who's hurting. We lift it up in 930 Huddle. Those right now that are going to be hit in Louisiana by hurricane. That it's a category four, maybe five. It's the last thing that they need. I pray, Lord God, for a miracle. That for whatever damage people think that is going to happen there, that when it all ends, that you would bring a protection upon that land. And that many would cry out to know you, to, to repent, to turn, and to seek you through this time. Hallelujah. We could pray for every other thing, Lord. There's so much going on in Afghanistan. And Lord, there's so much that we could pray for our own government, those in leadership. Things are a little lost in translation here today. Things are unclear today. Things are very confusing today. Things are being forced today. Lord, I just pray that you would give us wisdom for such a time. That you would help us in this day that we're living in to be nurturers, not fighters that fight back with evil, people that are bitter and mad and aggressive nurturers that bring healing to the land. I do not think for once that it is impossible with you. If you are able to do it with one man, Joseph, in Egypt to save the nations around them, you're able to do it with believers all around this nation to save the world around us with the truth of your word. Teach us to nourish in such a time that we are living in. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And together we say, amen. Come on, can you give God some praise?